Welcome to My Park Story, presented by the National Park Service. People form connections with their favorite national parks and programs, and this park cast is a place to come together and share those stories. I'm your host, Dave Barak. Today's guest is Jeff LeBaron, the National Audubon Society's director of the Christmas Bird Count. With me today is Jeff LeBaron. He is the National Audubon Society's director of the Christmas Bird Count. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Great, Dave. Thanks very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. We are glad that you are, and we're really excited to talk about a program that you oversee every year at the end of the year. Tell us more about that. Well, the the Christmas Bird Count um, is an early winter bird census that happens during the holiday period, where what people are doing, the reason it's a census is because we're actually counting every bird, not just the species list, but the number of birds that we're seeing as well. Um, And it's a great way of getting involved with conservation issues, but it's also just a wonderful day of birding uh, that you can do practically anywhere. That is very cool. I know it's a very popular, uh, I know it's a very popular program. It's a very popular tradition for some people to take part in. If people don't know what the Christmas bird count is, how would they get involved? Actually, the best way to get involved, if you if you have a computer, is to go to Christmas Bird Count all one all together, ChristmasBirdCount.org. And that is the CBC website. And in there, um, if you there's a link that says join the CBC. And in join the CBC, there is a, a map of the active circles, and people can click on that map and get the contact information for their local compilers. Um, people should organize or contact the compilers ahead of time because we do try to uh, keep track of, of the number of people and, and the effort that's expended so that it's important to, to uh, register in advance basically for the count. I think that's really interesting because when I think of the National Audubon Society, it's a, a big national organization. A lot of people have heard of it, heard of it. But this bird count really is localized, isn't it? You have these local compilers that aid the individual uh, census takers to compile all this critical information for you. Isn't that right? That is that's absolutely right, Dave. And it it's really interesting because it's 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 a very local activity that people can do, and they become very interested and attached to their local area and the birds in it, and also the people that they're counting with. But because the Christmas bird count is literally done across the hemisphere, um, there are circles set up in the United States, Canada, and throughout Latin America and the Caribbean. What we're able to do is each one of those local efforts actually builds a picture of what's happening on a hemispheric basis. So we can sort of see what's going on with the birds in North America and Central America and the Caribbean and South America as well at the same time of year over time. And it's really exciting. So this isn't just a national effort this is an international effort isn't it it is it really is there there were over 2600 different counts done last year with about almost 80,000 observers involved so it's a it's a it's a big effort um that builds upon everybody's individual efforts which is why one of the reasons it's so fun what are the dates of this year's bird count Every year, the Christmas bird count period is run. Each count is done on one day, 
and the, the counts need to be done between the inclusive dates of December 14th and January 5th each season. How long has the Christmas bird count been in existence? The Christmas bird count was actually started on Christmas Day of 1900, and that's why it's called the Christmas bird count, is because that's when it was begun as uh, an alternative action to what was what was going on at the time, which was overhunting. Um, so uh, Frank Chapman, who was an ornithologist at the American Museum of Natural History at the time, proposed to do a Christmas bird count or census uh, rather than a Christmas bird hunt. And some of those areas that were started in 1900 have been covered every year since then. So this will be the 124th year of the Christmas bird count. And I imagine that the canvassers go and do this every year. This is a tradition for them. I mean, for, for many of the people that participate. It, it really is. I mean, it's a fun thing just to go out and do and bird. It's a wonderful day of birding in, the, in that season. But uh, more often than not, people who start doing it become really tied and it becomes a, a real holiday tradition for them. And I myself travel every year to the counts that I've sort of started doing back in the 1970s. And it's a great way to see areas that you love and birds that you love and also the people that you get to know and your friends that are birding. That may be the only time of year that you see them. So the the traditional as tradition aspect and the social aspect is equally important to the, the data that we're generating, which are very important to our understanding of what's happening to the birds across the hemisphere. That feeling, that gathering aspect, that tradition aspect, that's such a uh, such a important part of the holiday season where you said maybe these are friends of yours who you only see once a year. I think for so many people that the holidays are about coming together and this time of year just feels like the right time to see all those people you really enjoy and to go out in nature and do something that you all like to do together. It really is. And it's not only going out in nature, you can participate right from your yard and count the birds at your feeders. Uh, again, as long as you organize, you know, volunteer with the compiler first so that they know not to have somebody else counting your feeders. So it really, I mean, it, it's anywhere from local to there are people that can travel all over the country sometimes to do it if they're, you know, visiting somewhere else. Where are some of the places you visited to participate in the Christmas bird count? The traditional counts that I started doing when I was in graduate school are in Rhode Island. Let's see, I've done counts in Pennsylvania and I've done counts in Maryland. But like I said, they're done in every state, every province and throughout Latin America, the Caribbean. Um, and we also do include counts in the islands in the South Pacific. That's incredible. I will volunteer. I will go to the South Pacific for you <laughs> and I will count birds. That's what I'm going to do. New holiday tradition for Dave. <laughs> Speaking of all of the locales where these these bird counts take place across the hemisphere, many of them do exist within national parks. And that's part of the reason we wanted to talk to you today is to let people know that there are counts that occur in national parks and you should check the websites because this is a large part of uh, winter activities at at national parks, specifically those that are, um, you know, maybe you think of a park like uh, Bryce Canyon as being only, you know, you only want to visit in the summertime where it's nice and warm, but people go there and there's just this incredible count that happens there every year. Um, several counts, I imagine. 
happen at Bryce and other national parks? There, there are counts done within national parks, or, or I mean, many of the count, many of the smaller national parks, except especially the urban ones, are within uh, urban Christmas bird counts. So there, a lot of properties in the National Park Service system are included within Christmas bird counts, um, and it, it really is, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful sort of collaboration uh, between the Park Service and, uh, and everybody else. <laughs> And I'm so glad you bring that up because the bird counts don't just exist in giant western parks, but also in urban parks. Here in Washington, D.C., we have Rock Creek Park. There are parks in Philadelphia, Boston, New York, San Francisco, you name it. And for people that think, oh, well, I've got to go, I've got to travel, I've got to get out of my city to do this. Birds are everywhere. Any human anywhere on the surface of this planet could go outside on a given day and see a bird. And I'm, I mean, they're on the middle of the ocean. They're all terrestrial habitats, and it's it's they're incredibly engaging creatures that we just love all, so much stuff that they do. And getting involved with the Christmas count in national parks, and uh, you know, it's just it's a wonderful way of engaging with nature and also becoming conservation aware. What I think I like about the concept of of a bird count or a bird census is, despite the fact that you are compiling this enormous amount of data, it's at its core sort of an analog activity. You're not sitting in front of a computer when you're doing it. You are not uh, on your phone when you're doing it. It is this activity where you can, by definition, be outside amongst nature and just exist. And I find that so beautiful in the world we live in and the the hustle bustle of the holiday season to just sit out and listen and watch. And it you don't even you don't really need too much equipment even. You you really don't need any equipment. And honestly, I mean to do to be come involved in the Christmas bird count or birding you don't really, you don't need to be an expert birder. All you need to have is the desire to get out and be outside, or maybe not even outside, just experiencing whatever the, the wildlife is in, in where you are. You don't have to have perfect vision. You don't have to own binoculars. You don't have to be able to hear and know all the birds that you're hearing. It's just, it's, it's a way of getting out and experiencing birds, like you say, as sort of as a gateway to appreciating Nature and the location where nature is, wherever that, can, you know, it can be urban or not. I mean, one of the most fabulous birding spots in the world is Central Park in the middle of New York City, Rock Creek Park also in D.C. So it's, it's um, it really is a, it's a wonderful activity that just in, enables people to appreciate not only the birds, but, but the nature in general. And it's, I mean, there are sort of more and more analyses of, of human behavior and human understanding that nature really, we really need nature. We need to experience nature uh, to help our, our, to help our nature. That's a good way of putting it. What is the most amazing bird you've ever seen or, or what is the most amazing birding experience you've ever had? <laughs> well, when people ask me what's my favorite bird, I usually say it's the one I'm looking at right now, but. Um, Very diplomatic. Yeah. Well, it's true though. I mean, you know, people oftentimes people think of of the rarest or the most beautiful or the biggest or the smallest or whatever bird that they've ever seen. 
Um, and they tend to ignore the robins and the pigeons and the red-tailed hawks and the things that are right around them all the time. But just watching a robin or watching a pigeon in the city, um, they're beautiful. I mean, people might not want to hear that, but, you know, they're, they're really pretty creatures and they do a lot of fascinating stuff. And it, it's, it's, you know, some, some people have the tendency to just, there's the bird. Now I want to go to the next one and see the next one and the next one. But by really studying you, them, you become more engaged with them and connected to them and connected to the nature that they re represent. And um, it's really, uh, it, it's, it's just a wonderful experience. That, that's really fascinating. And you're right. I, I always think when I see a pigeon, I think that pigeons are beautiful. They have this beautiful gray coloration and those shiny uh, features on their necks and heads. And I think that is quite beautiful. And it's it's right here on a city street. I don't have to go to an exotic location. I don't have to leave my neighborhood to see these interesting, beautiful birds that are right here in Washington, D.C. <laughs> Say what you will about pigeons, I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now this is a question I typically ask at the top of an interview. Um, but as we find ourselves winding down, I know you have some connections to the national parks. And Jeff, I'd like to ask you, what's your park story? My most recent and particular particularly memorable park story is from Rocky Mountain National Park, um, outside Estes Park. Um, I, I went up there a few years ago, right at, in, in the early, well, it was late fall, it was in early November. Um, and the upper parts of the park road were closed already because of the snowpack, but you know, you could still visit the lower two thirds of it and the wonderful visitor center there. And there were birds everywhere. There were, well, not just birds. There was, you know, wildlife. There were the, you know, the mule deer and the elk. And uh, we didn't see any big bighorns that, on that trip, but I've seen them there before. Um, but there were cassins finches and just huge numbers of pygmy nuthatches, where the, which are the most incredibly cute little birds. And you don't mm -hmm. see one pygmy nuthatch. You see 30 at a time. But what was most notable was there's a bird called a red crossbill which has, yes, crossed bills. Um, and they're, they're very, um, they're, it's called, an, they're an eruptive species in that they move around where the, where the food crops are and especially the, the um, pine cone seeds. And there were red cross bills everywhere in the park. If you drove slowly with the windows down, you were constantly hearing red cross bills. And it was just an amazing experience in, in the beauty of the park also, um, which um, it's just, it's a super place. And a number of the national parks that I've been to are just places that I love. I will say two winters ago, I actually, I got to do a yellow, the, one of the winter Yellowstone trips. Mm. And I don't know if you've experienced Yellowstone in the winter yet. No. It, it is amazing. It's not, it, it, there, there aren't very many. We actually had Old Faithful almost to ourselves when it erupted. Um, and you're in the snow coaches in the middle of the park and the, you know the birds and wildlife are just incredible there, and and uh, the scenery is there, and and the, all the, the volcanic activity, and and it's especially spectacular in the winter because everything is steaming even more. Um, so it was really it's it's a wonderful place. That's 
you paint a very lovely picture, Jeff, with your words. <laughs> Thank you. I want to say that as we head into the end of the year and we're all gathering and enjoying our holiday traditions and taking stock of the year gone by and thinking about the year ahead that this this special Christmas bird count is a really thoughtful way to say this is how I spend time with loved ones. This is how I reconnect with nature. This is how I look back and look ahead. And I think that's what I find the most beautiful thing about this Christmas bird count. Jeff, I'm so grateful for your time. It has been a pleasure to learn more about you and the Christmas bird count and the Audubon Society. Thank you so much for your time. You're entirely welcome. It was been a joy to talk with you and I encourage people to get out, see their parks, do the Christmas bird count. Um, just get out and love the birds where you are and let them love you back. This has been so special. Thanks again, Jeff. Take care. <laughs>